Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio. with noted radio show writer and producer, Doug Thompson. We are thrilled to welcome Doug back to this special program where we celebrate and honor Internet movers and shakers who are ideal. These incredible men and women are interesting, innovative, and iconic. Hence, we refer to them as eye candy. I'm Lena Stagg, your co-host on She Said, She Said, and I'm the author of the Recipe Records cookbook series, rock and roll cookbooks full of good food, good fun, and great rock and roll stories, facts, and trivia. Check out my books at lanastag.com. And hey, while you're there, sign up for my free newsletter and rock and roll blog. Come and see me in person in just a few weeks at the Beatles at the Ridge, a free Beatles Festival and Symposium in Walnut Ridge, Arkansas on September 14th and 15th, where I will be joined by someone super special who is waiting right here in the wings. <laughs> hey, Lena. Hey, guys. I will definitely be in Walnut Ridge September 14th and 15th for Beatles at the Ridge. And for those of you who are new to the show, I'm Lena's trusty sidekick, Jude Sutherland Kessler. I'm the author of the John Lennon series, which is a highly researched and documented nine-volume, that's right, I'm insane, nine-volume narrative history series that tells the life of John. And, of course, if you're going to tell John's life, you're also telling the story of his mates, the Beatles. Now, three of the books in the John Lennon series are already out and in print. The fourth will be released in three weeks in August, and it tells the story of John and the boys in 1964. So if you want to read a sample chapter and explore the new volume and all of my books, just go to my website, which is johnlennonseries.com. And while you're there, just as Lena suggested, I invite you to sign up for my monthly newsletter because I am offering some pretty cool gifts. 
associated with the brand new book. This month, for example, anyone who pre-orders the book is going to get a signed and dated collector's poster of the cover signed by the artist and myself. So go to that newsletter and, and take advantage. And as Lena just mentioned, both of us are really honored today to showcase the second go and the second part of our program with one of the biggest stars in the Beatles world. That's right. Our hashtag iCandy guest has done so much work in the Beatles world. It was impossible to condense his experiences and stories and incredible sound clips all into one segment. He was on our show in April talking about his work with Ringo on the Yellow Submarine series. If you missed that show, be sure to catch it in the archives. But today we focus on the work that he did highlighting the life of John Lennon. Hailing from Canada, our guest who is having a birthday tomorrow, mm-hmm. hence our opening music, was tasked with a far somber but very important responsibility. Within hours of John's passing in 1980, our guest was approached about doing a massive radio tribute for John, and immediately he sprung into sprung to work. But we'll let him tell you all about that very special and touching experience. Here is our friend, Doug Thompson. Hi, Doug. Welcome to She Said, Hi there. She Said. Hey, Jude, how are you? Hey, both? Doug. So glad to have you here. I'm happy to finally be back. Yes, absolutely. Thanks for having me back. And, Jude, I'm looking forward to the uh, the new book because I've read the – you gave me the last one, the big, thick one with uh, – uh, Larry Kane doing the forward on that. I think that's your she last one. You, right? uh-huh. That's number yeah. three. Yeah, it was yeah. phenomenal. I, I totally enjoyed that. Read it cover to cover, and even gave it to my brother, who's also a bigger Beatle fan than I am. But uh, he oh, was wow. a musician in the family, <laughs> not me. I was the radio guy. Oh, so here, here's <laughs> how this thing happened, just really quickly. Uh, the night of December eighth, nineteen eighty, I was sitting at home in my apartment in Toronto watching a rerun of MASH on Buffalo television at 11.30, 11.30 to midnight. And the crawl across the screen goes, John Lennon has been shot in the other all of that. And within five minutes of that, uh, a friend of mine who was the promotions manager at a major Toronto radio station called and said, bring all your Beatle interviews down. We've got to do a show right now. So we did. Mm-hmm. Uh, the program director came in who was also an announcer and we spent the next day and a half putting together a two-hour show uh, that was, you know, just a lot of clips that I'd had from the first Beatles special that I'd done in 1970 when I was a chum, which, to my knowledge, is North American Beatles special ever on radio. Beat everybody. BBC, I think, did one, mm. of course, but this was the first North American one. It was syndicated around the world. So that one got around, the, the 1981 got around, and NBC... Uh, through a friend of mine, George Taylor Morris, who was running the source at the time at NBC, called and said, would you do a three-hour major one? This was for 1981. And I said, well, yeah, I will. Uh, I'll be happy to do one, but I really need about six months to do it right. So I did. Wow. So it took mm-hmm. six months to write this. For, well, Jude, you know, as, uh, both of oh, you yeah. know as writers how long it yeah. takes to write anything. And this was just a three-hour show with a lot of clips, but I went out and 
did a lot more interviews with various people, Yoko and a couple of other people uh, as well. And uh, people kept going through the years, so I grabbed them and put them in the show. And the opening itself, you see, you have to grab people's attention in the first minute in a radio program, or the, even less than that, 30 seconds, really, or they're gone. Yeah. And what I wanted to do was, because in between that year, I'd heard Yoko interviewed where she said, I want people to always remember that John did not just die of a disease or anything. He was murdered. Uh, and I, I'm sure she probably feels the same way because I understand that guy is coming up for parole again, whose name I will not mention. Mm. Uh, hopefully he won't mm. get it. I doubt he'll get it while Yoko's alive anyway. So I heard her say that, and I said, well, then I have to recreate the actual event. So what I did was I went to, when I was in New York doing uh, other interviews and things like that, I went down to the Dakota at around 11 o'clock at night with my trusty tape recorder and just recorded the actual traffic of that time right outside the Dakota. Mm. So that's everything in this opening is absolutely authentic. Uh, and then there's John wow. and Yoko are walking, which came at the beginning of the dance mix of uh, Walking on Thin Ice, mm -hmm. uh, which they were mixing that very night. And then there's a scream, and that comes from Yoko's Season of Glass album. And then there's a stylized gunshot as opposed to the five. And that also comes from the Season of Glass album. And the rest are from various interviews with people that called in that couldn't believe it. I, we talked to, uh, to um, oh, God, Bill Harry, and yeah. uh, he gave us a quick interview mm -hmm. on the phone, so we used that. And then I wanted to use John and Harry Nilsson and all these kinds of people who were friends of his. So that's what I did. I wanted this to be the most emotional, and it is to this day, the most emotional opening of a program I've ever done. The thing of it was it ran all over North America, Canada and the U.S., probably in total over 150 radio stations, maybe 200, but certainly 150. The only station, it ran on WNEW in New York, which was the Powerhouse FM. That was the only station that would not play the intro because they said that you know it was just a year later it was too it was too emotional they didn't think new york was ready for something like that so they substituted something else and i never heard what they substituted but every other radio station on the planet that carried it ran that intro gosh mm. Mm. well we have a tough. clip when I, when I finished it I, when i was finished at the end of the mix because it took eight hours to actually mix that opening I know that seems crazy because mm. it's less than two minutes, but putting all the pieces right. in, trying things that didn't work, pulling them out, putting something else in, mixing it all down, making sure that you could hear everything, and using John's mm. I Don't Want to Be a Soldier, you know, which was a, uh, and God, too. I wanted to use that as well. Mm. So mm -hmm. that was that was what happened there. So if, if you want to play it. Wow. Well, we have have the clip. It's beautiful but very painful, and we're going to play a little less than two minutes. And I want to mention to our listening audience that this is rather hard to hear. It's been, what, 37 years almost since, um, or yep. 37 and a half years since it happened, and it's still painful, and this uh, this clip is very true to life. So if you have young ones listening, you might want to turn the sound down for the next couple of minutes. But we will go ahead and cue it up here. New York City, December 8, 1980. After an evening of mixing a new single at the recording studio, 
John Lennon and Yoko Ono return home to their apartment office complex at the Dakota on West 72nd Street and Central Park West. As Lennon walks up the passageway to the entrance, a chubby figure emerges from the shadows of the building and calls out. Mr. Lennon! It's so sad. Uh, we've lost the greatest rock and roll musician this decade has ever known. <laughs> on earth why anybody should kill anybody else. Why don't you come out and... Because somebody will choose us to say anything. That's right. The law's begun, the law's begun violence. You can't stop an assassin. He'll lob a grenade at you. He'll spit rocks on you. He'll do something to get you if he wants to get you. I still join him. He'll get out of the limousine. They walked into the gate and... Oh, God. Let me just... Let me just... Let me just... And then I heard four or five shots. They were air-shattering. They were air-shattering. I heard Yoko and I heard... A woman screaming, it was Yoko, she was screaming, help me. He had multiple gunshot wounds in his chest, in his left arm, and in his back. There were seven uh, wounds in his body. But in spite of transfusions and many procedures, he could not be resuscitated. And so, dear And then we went into the actual show, which was the first song we played was In My Life, which I thought was an appropriate song to start with. Wow. And I, sorry, I was mistaken there. That was not Bill Harry at the beginning after the gunshot. That was Alan Williams. That we did. Ah. I thought that was Alan. I, I yeah, it know was, both yeah. of them really well. I thought, that kind of sounds like Alan. I'm glad yeah, you did it, that. It, it I thought was I was Alan. losing my mm-hmm. mind. <laughs> No, that was, it was Al, I, that was my mistake. And the yeah. other thing was mixing, so, you know, when some of those eyewitnesses there, just mixing the song just so that the oh no would come up right in the middle of her speaking was, took a long time. But uh, like I said, this, this thing was a labor of love. And uh, it was to the, to this day, as far as I'm concerned, the most emotional uh, piece I've ever done. Mm. Well, it's spectacular. Absolutely spectacular. And, I, you know, prior to that time that they requested you to put it together, how how deep of a John Lennon fan had you been? Huge, huge. Uh, I was a big Beatle fan from the beginning. I mean, uh, I grew up partially in Edmonton, Alberta, which is way up there in the West. Uh, and my brother and I watched the Ed Sullivan show on February 9th, 1964, like millions of other people, most of you. Mm-hmm. And uh, that was kind of it. And then I got into radio that year. So it was sort of uh, the Beatles and I sort of started together because we had we -hmm. actually had the Beatles in Canada. Sorry, America. We had them about a year before you guys. We had a British guy who was the head of uh, Capitol Records in Canada named Paul White, who's who's since passed away, who uh, started releasing uh, the songs as they came out in England. So he released Love Me Do, sold 75 copies. He released from me, me to you and all that, and Del Shannon's version beat the Beatles from sales, that kind of thing. And finally, I want to hold your hand. But actually, She Loves You really first took off. So we had them a good six to eight months before uh, America really did. So yeah. we were kind of familiar with them. Wow. And the first show that I ever did was in 1970 at Chum. We did a 12-hour Beatles special. Like I said, I think that was the very first one for North America. 
And every yeah. year, but I was always a John Lennon fan more. Than, I mean, I love Paul, and I certainly love Ringo. He's a great guy. Peace and love, peace and love, because uh, I did work with him, and he was a wonderful man to work with. And uh, I did briefly meet George, and he was a great guy too. But John was always my favorite, probably because his lyrics, he was a little more off-center, which I always have liked. So ever since that one in 1980 and then 81, every five years – I would do another special, mainly for Canada, but sometimes not, uh, until 2005 when I did the final, final special on John Lennon. Now that was this was for his 25th anniversary of his passing, and it would have been his 65th birthday. So oh. we actually did mm-hmm. two three-hour shows, a a kind of more of a Beatles show for October the uh, the ninth, uh, and mm-hmm. then um, a three-hour Beatles after death and after that the aftermath for December 8th, and they ran all over the world. They ran uh, on 70 radio stations in Canada, about 250 in the U.S. through Westwood One, uh, and then the Tom Browns at Radio Express carried it Mexico, Australia, all over the world. And this one, the second one in 2005, which will be my last one. I will never do another one. Um, that's pretty much it. And that one, the next year in the, at the New York Radio Festival won... Uh, a silver medal, a gold medal, and only one of four grand awards, which takes all the gold medal winners and, and gives out four awards for best in the entire festival. So that was a that was a grand day. Well, Doug, we have one more clip that we want to play for everyone. And as I understand it, this was a show that was requested because of the tremendous success of that program that you worked so hard on right after John's passing, and you were approached by Tom Rounds, and you worked very closely with Yoko to produce this next program. So tell us a little bit about it, and then we'll play the clip. Well, we did, I'd done an interview with Yoko in 80, was it 83 or 84? It was, it was one of those two, with a friend of mine out in L.A. named Laura Gross, and uh, Laura was a good friend of, of Yoko's, and we basically spent the entire day with Yoko at the Dakota. And I'd always read interviews where John talked about sitting at this couch in the, in the kitchen. I went, oh, who would have a couch in the kitchen? Well, <laughs> she took us into the kitchen, and there, by golly, was a couch, which we sat yep. on. We, we, uh, we did the interview in the white room, uh, and then we spent the whole day there. And uh, as we were walking back to our hotel, we did it at, at the Dakota. As we were walking back to our hotel, I said to Laura, because I have a tiny little wee bit of psychic ability in me, just a tiny bit. I said, you know what? I wouldn't be surprised if when we get back to the hotel, Yoko's inviting us to dinner. And Laura goes, she knew her pretty well. She goes, no, we just spent all afternoon with her. That won't happen. Okay. So I go to my room. Laura goes to hers. And sure enough, five minutes later, my phone rings. So you won't believe it. But Yoko's just invited us to dinner at the Russian tea room. So we all went wow. to dinner with Yoko and had a, a wonderful time. Sean and uh, one of his friends was with him. Uh, I think he was, what would he have been, like eight or nine, something like that. So it was it was an amazing night, and we all walked back to the Dakota, and then we made sure they were back safe. She was with Sam Havitoy at the time. And uh-huh. then we walked back to, to our hotel. So this show was a culmination of, I continued to do interviews all the years, going over to England, or if people came to Beetlefest that I happened to be at, I'd do more interviews. So this one was a little more detached, and I wanted to really show the John Lennon that, that people that knew him knew. 
so that's why I did more of an interview montage at this time, and it didn't really, it didn't have to set up the emotion that way. Although it's, it kind of still does to a certain extent. It does to me. This one is very emotional because it takes you back through time. And we'll let our listeners judge. Let's listen to a clip from this beautiful radio tribute to John that Doug created and released. Here we go. In 2005. Number nine. Number nine. Number nine. Number nine. Once upon a long ago, from Liverpool he came. He sang of life, of love of peace, and fans all screamed his name. John Lennon! John was a rebel. He was a pack leader. I never remember him complaining about anything in his life. He was a spokesman of a decade of the 60s. You never dared John to do anything, because he would do it. He always took it like a man, folks. The heart of this band was a four-piece kick-ass rock and roll band. Bring up John John. They were the Beatles. It was a great experience, you know. I mean, it was just incredible. John was not happy that I would give their home addresses out on the air. It was just doing the impossible. The most exciting thing about John was the fact that he was so progressive. We're obviously not going to go around holding hands forever. We've got to split up or progress. He did not want to stand still. I wasn't saying the Beatles were better than Jesus or God or Christianity. We think that peace is only got by peaceful methods. Once upon a time, there were two balloons called Jock and Yornil. Yoko! Elegance is the word that was very much John. A working class hero is something to be. I'm basically a writer who sings. A working class hero is something to be. I'm Graham Nash. Welcome to Dreaming of the Past, a three-hour tribute to one of the most talented, controversial, and yet complicated human beings ever to grace this planet. Had John Lennon lived, he would be celebrating his 65th birthday this year. And from his millions of fans around the world, happy birthday, John. There are places I remember all my life. There it goes. I was very fortunate to get, we were... We tried to get, we wanted somebody that knew John well, and Graham Nash just kind of stuck out of me because I heard him narrate some other show years and years ago. And right. fortunately for me, he had a day off on the Crosby, Stills, and Nash tour in 2005. I had to fly to San Francisco to record the first show. By the time I was ready with the second half, the second three-hour show, the tour was over, and Graham was back in Kauai, where he lived with his mm-hmm. first wife at the time. And he, uh, I said to him, Graham, can I get you to go to L.A. or can I get you to the big island where there's studios? He goes, nope, I've just been on tour for over a year. I'm not going anywhere. You want me? You come to Kauai. Well, Kauai, I went to, to Kauai on my second honeymoon with my first ex-wife. I only have one ex-wife. Um, and I love Kauai. So we found a guy that had a studio in his garage. And I flew out there on a, in the morning. I got there in the morning on Kauai. We recorded all afternoon. And Graham was in this tiny little booth recording that had no air conditioning. Mm-hmm. So every 15, yeah. 20 minutes, he had to come out just to get air. But oh. he was a trooper. Yeah. He was a wonderful guy, and he did a fabulous job. And uh, like I said, the uh, show speaks for itself. 
It's just I was literally in Kauai for less than for just over 24 hours, like 36 hours. And then when we were finished recording, uh, because we had a a couple of mutual friends in common, Graham uh, invited me to dinner at his house with his wife Susan, and they have they had this beautiful estate. I'm sorry that he now lives in New York, but he gave up that beautiful place. But he literally had. Uh, pristine land, maybe a couple of thousand feet away from him, which were which was state land, could never mm-hmm. be touched. And he had this most amazing waterfall that he could wake up in the morning and mm-hmm. just look out. It had to be a couple of thousand feet of waterfall that was just coming down into his not into his backyard, but a little further up. But mm-hmm. again, it was a, a, an experience I'll never forget either. Not a bad place to record, right? Uh, well, for Graham, it wasn't that great, but uh, yeah, we finally got it. We, this guy had Pro Tools, and that's the thing that we needed, so he, he made it work. Right. Well, we are. our show is live up until uh, 30 minutes past the hour, and we're coming up on that in about four minutes. So before okay. it cuts off, and there will be an extra 10 minutes for our listeners that's in the archive program, so if you are listening live, make sure you go to the archive program to hear the end. But before we're cut off, Doug, tell us about your new project that you're working on, and if you have a Facebook page, website, all that, give us that information so people can get in touch with you. Well, I do I do have a Facebook page, and there are a few uh, Doug Thompsons. It's with an H and a P, so it's T-H-O-M-P-S-O-N. I think you'll see that I distinguish myself from every, all the other Doug Thompsons because my avatar is a picture of Ringo and I sitting in his studio. There you go. I don't think go. anybody else has that so far. <laughs> so you'll find me there on Facebook. I do not have a website because that's not uh, kind of how I do things. But right. I'm still working on uh, radio projects. I'm working on a television documentary that is still secret at the moment, but it involves uh, Britain and Beatles and other artists from that era. So... Hopefully that will be ready to go mm. within a year, and everyone will be able to see that. I've kind of moved a lot into, uh, into television programming. Uh, I did a, a special last two years ago, a year and a half ago, on Motown with a Canadian then. Now, a lot of people think Canadians say A all the time. How are you doing, A? Kind of <laughs> people in the uh, southern U.S. So I've never said A that in my life, but because it was Hitsville, USA, we changed the title of it to Hitsville, USA. Because it was a Motown with a Canadian bent. Because there were a lot of Canadians there, you know. I mean, uh, Bobby Taylor in the Vancouver's with Tommy Chong as guitarist was uh, signed to Motown. Ardeen Taylor, who had a big hit, Indiana Wants Me, was signed to the Rare Earth record label. He was from Toronto. And there were all kinds of behind-the-scenes people that, that worked there that were from Canada as well. So it was a fun show to do, flying to L.A. and Detroit and doing all kinds of interviews. And then Motown actually allowed us to shoot an interview right in Studio A, where they recorded all those incredible hits. They don't do that for anybody outside of the Motown family, but because we were doing people like Paul Reiser, who is the most amazing arranger that Motown ever had, uh, we they let us do it. So I was really excited about that, and I'm very excited about the, the new one I'm still working on. If I told you I'd have to kill you all, and I don't want to kill anybody, but you'll see it in about a year. That sounds fantastic. Absolutely fantastic. So, so thank you very much for having me back have, again. Sorry we uh, we missed, but we got it together now, and it's all done. Yeah, we really appreciate you coming back on and, and taking the time out of your busy schedule. Is Are there any other projects that you're working on, writing or 
Anything? He, he uh, well, I'm working, with Spencer, Davis. I'm working with, uh, with Spencer Davis on his autobiography. Uh, Spencer's been a friend of mine since the late 70s. Uh, and I usually, every time I go to L.A., I usually stay with him. He has a place on Catalina Island there, just 26 miles across the sea. You know yep. that song from the Four Preps. <laughs> Oh yeah, uh, back in 1960, <laughs> 20, uh, Catalina, and he uh, he and I just kind of have been working on the book with uh, with another guy in England, and it uh, we're quite uh, happy with the way it's working out. He talks about his Beatle years because he was in Magical Mystery Tour. He was invited. He's even in the the pictures. You can see him standing there close to Paul up at the back, and uh, John I think has one of his cool. kids near them. It's, it's a fun time. So there's lots of great stories coming out of that one, too. So Ah, that we can't wait that for that cool. one. Yeah. Absolutely. And we'll have to have you and Spencer Davis on our radio show. Absolutely. It'll be about another year because you know how books take forever. But once that's done, we'll be here. <laughs> that well, would be fantastic. It. Thanks well, so, thank so you much, so much Doug. For... We really, really appreciate you being with us again. Okay, Jude. Okay, Lena. Thank you very much. Thank you. Bye. Well, Lena, well, tell them what's coming up in so August because we got a big thing, don't we? We certainly do. We are going to be celebrating the release of Should Have Known Better at the Fest for Beatles fans in Chicago. And I hope that everybody will be there to celebrate Jude's latest and greatest and absolutely the greatest book ever. It's going to be – the Fest is – I think it starts on Friday, August 10th, and her – party is going to be on Saturday, August 11th. You can follow Jude's Facebook page for uh, all of the details on the book release. And we have another big event coming in September, September 14th and 15th in Walnut Ridge, Arkansas. We will be celebrating the Beatles at the Ridge Fest. We definitely so we are. Hope we that, can't wait. We hope that you guys will will join us there. You can check out more details on Beatles at the Ridge at their website, www.beatlesattheridge.com. In August, Jude and I will be back here on She Said, She Said, and we are going to keep with our debate which Beatles film is the best, A Hard Day's Night or Help? Yay. Jude and I will discuss this theme and the symbolism that is inherent in both films. And really to get some help from a very learned and knowledgeable Beatles scholar, we are going to have with us the creator and editor of Beatles Fan Magazine, the one and only Bill King. Now, I asked Bill, I said, you know, can you come on and talk about the hidden meanings in the film and the theme and the symbolism? And he kind of chuckled and said, well, I don't know that there really is any hidden meaning or theme and help. But you know what? I think there just might be. So he's going to help us to explore what appears to be just 
fun, whimsical, happy-go-lucky productions. But as they said in one of my favorite films, there's more to this than meets the eye. Right, Lena? (laughs) You are right. (laughs) Absolutely. So we are looking so forward to hearing from Bill King on that topic and voicing a few insights and opinions of our own as well. That show is going to be broadcast on Monday, August 20th, I believe. And shortly after that, Jude and I will be off to Beatles at the Ridge, as we mentioned earlier. And we hope that you guys will join us for both of these great big events. And again, we want to wish happy birthday to our honored guest, Doug Thompson. And until then, here's food for thought food for the soul, food for the love of rock and roll. Tra and shine on. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.